Talofalava, this is Pacific Waves from RNZ Pacific. I'm Elisha Fern. Coming up, Tuvalu, one of the Pacific nations most affected by climate change, has appointed a new prime minister. Also, it's me today, it could be someone else tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a minister or a public figure. Fiji Women's Minister sees Pacific Island countries need to strengthen laws on online harassment as she deals with allegations of a sex and drug scandal. And we take a look at the sporting highlights from around the Pacific. Felite Tio has been elected unopposed as Prime Minister of Tuvalu. Kuroi Hawkins spoke about Felite Tio and his incoming government with California State University's Assistant Professor for Asian Pacific Studies, Jess Marinachu, who has previously worked with the Tuvalu government. Um, so I'm not really surprised. I think um, when Teo was elected, his name kind of jumped out at a lot of people because he has so much international experience um, and he's worked outside of Tuvalu and in Tuvalu in these very high level positions. Um, I just, however, did see that the Tuvalu news media site, they their explanation of how the, the unopposed election happened was that the only name that was put forward for um, election was for the PM was Teo's name, um, but still that that is a, a unanimous vote there. Um, yeah, but I think that just given all of his background, it's fairly unsurprising that he would be the one that could get a unanimous vote um, in this case. And I also had heard, I think it's been going around that there's a fairly large block of MPs who are supporting him or her in the same group uh, that he is. Now, we know a lot about Teo from his work with the Pacific Tuna Commission, but you mentioned he also did a lot of work in Tuvalu. Um, can can you speak a bit about that? What what things has he done in Tuvalu? So he he has been the the uh, Attorney General of Tuvalu, so that's a, a fairly high level position. Um, there's um another person, Suritaleli, uh, who also was the Attorney General. So there's two former Attorney Generals there, um, and I think he just had a pretty uh, distinguished background uh, as a lawyer in Tuvalu before then going on to some of his international positions. So, I mean, fairly respectable roles, both within Tuvalu and outside of Tuvalu. It looks like we're still waiting for a final list of everyone in government, but it looks like Filetti and some of the new MPs have gone with the former government. You you spoke a little bit about the the dynamics of this new Tuvalu parliament with such a field of experienced candidates. If you could speak a bit to that, please. Um, so especially the new MPs, that's where like a lot of experience is coming in. So we have two uh, former attorney generals. Uh, we have a former governor general in Sir Jacopo Taya Italeri. Um, Maina Talia, who was um, elected from the island of Vaitupu, is this major climate activist who also has a PhD looking at climate change and theology. Um, and we have Paulson Panapa, who's a former um, high commissioner to New Zealand for the government of Tuvalu. So people who, I mean, they even can line up well with certain ministerial positions as well, but just a lot of experience um, both within and outside of Tuvalu. So I think that's very exciting just to see all those people, it looks like going together with some of the people from the former government who also have quite a deal, a good deal of experience. Um, and I think that will help build up a really nice cabinet for the country. Now, you, you've had extensive experience working with the government of Tuvalu, um, also translating for them in, in their dealings with Taiwan, I understand. Yes. Um, uh, uh, some of the noise that's been going around leading up to this election it stemmed from Pai Niu saying something about looking at the relationship with Taiwan. Uh, how much weight do you put in that kind of talk? 
Well, I, I mean, just in looking at it, I could see it maybe not so much as being about actually looking at Taiwan or actually thinking about leaving Taiwan, but it more, I mean, to me, what I'm thinking was a strategic move. Um, if you're thinking about this election is getting a lot of press from people and saying something like that also brought more attention to it. And that actually puts the new government in a pretty good position for wanting to negotiate with different partners, not necessarily China, but Australia, the United States, Taiwan as well. Um, just to kind of have people slightly nervous about that or concerned. And you see how many people are really actively reporting on this, like people on the edge of their seat wanting to know who the prime minister is going to be for Tuvalu. Uh, so I think it actually did uh, generate quite a bit of buzz. And so I think it's really normal for the Tuvalu government, just in, in my experience, to in the first year, maybe of an administration being formed, review all foreign affairs. Um, you look at things like where missions are, where diplomatic posts are. Um, so it's not just Taiwan, but just everything to look at. Are you getting that value added out of how you have your foreign affairs set up. So I think that that's fairly normal. Um, but I think maybe the way in which it kind of had couched um, talking about that review had made people a bit concerned about it. And so that got quite a bit of attention. The other thing grabbing a bit of attention is the obviously the Falipili Union um, signed at the forum by Natano, who's out of this parliament. What is the likelihood? Would you see there being much change to that that agreement under a new government, or uh, all some of the talks and debate around the pros and cons of it into Valu as well? Well, I think there was only one in the previous government, the previous parliament. There was only one person who was really very opposed um, to the Polypili Union. That was Enele Sopoanga, um, and just given that he is not, at least we know, in the PM seat, um, I think that. Probably Falipili will stay in some form, but there was a lot of talk um, about the need to change some of the language. And given that there are a lot of lawyers um, in this parliament now, um, I think that a lot of work will be done just looking at that language more carefully, because when you do set something down in a treaty, um, it's fairly binding. Um, and so you have to really make sure that language like is in the security part of Falipili, where it's basically saying that Australia has almost veto power um, over Tuvalu's decisions on a whole range of security matters. That's something that may have to be adjusted. So I think that the idea of it, there, there are good parts that are in there, and I think people will value that. But just maybe some of the language um, might have to be just clarified. Uh, what exactly does this clause mean? And maybe some revisions to be made there. But I don't see it being thrown out wholesale at this point. On the on the climate change front, somewhat ironically, this election has been delayed because of serious, severe weather. And uh, we have some really strong um candidates in the mix as well on the climate change front. Are, are you are you expecting big things from this new group of MPs for Tuvalu? I'm certainly hoping. I mean, I think that it, there was a good um, writing that happened. Um, I know some of uh, the first secretary in Wellington, Yone Eliuta, he wrote a really powerful piece about what was going on in Tuvalu and was able to show in pictures, which always captures people's imagination, what was actually happening that was keeping the MPs from coming back. And I think that sort of thing is really important that people understand as they're waiting for, why are they waiting for this outcome? It's not because anything is going on that's shady. It's because literally the the ocean is seeping up from beneath the islands and there are huge waves and people can't get back and these are the realities that are being faced with climate change and so we do have people like Simon Kofe who um, hopefully will be in the government group, um, Maina Talia, I'm also hoping who are just these very powerful speakers 
um, on climate change um, and Maina, especially who has an actual background looking at that. Um, and I think that those are things that will come really come into play um, and hopefully we'll have very outspoken people in this government who really are bringing that message of climate change and what it's doing to Tuvalu to the international community. So I'm expecting, I'm hoping that there'll be really good things coming out of this government with, on that front. Fiji's Women and Children's Minister Linda Tabuya says Pacific Island countries need to strengthen laws on online harassment. Her comment comes as she deals with allegations of a sex and drug scandal between her and a former cabinet minister. She spoke to RNZ Pacific's Tiana Haxton on the sidelines of the Pacific Women in Power Forum in Auckland last week. The women's minister has maintained that the allegations against her of extramarital affairs are untrue after lewd images of her were leaked online. The matter is currently under police investigation. She says the person causing the online harassment lives in Sydney and called on the assistant of Australia's online safety watchdog to have the images removed. If you put up content that is or appears to be the person, then that person needs to take the content down, otherwise they can face prosecution. So that was the process I followed. And I'm grateful to um, the eSafety Commission of Australia for their swift action. Ms Tamboya has been embroiled in an alleged sex and drug scandal with sacked Education Minister Asiri Randrondro during official travel to Australia last year. She has previously denied the allegations, calling it fake news, while Mr Randrundro has not commented on the issue. However, she says as a female politician, the situation she finds herself in was not exclusive to her. It's me today, it could be someone else tomorrow. It doesn't have to be a minister or a public figure. But if you have women in Fiji or across the Pacific who are facing this, especially for populations where there are more people outside of the country than in country, Ms. Tamboya wants stronger policies to prevent online harassment across the region. You get more attacks from people who live overseas, so our women MPs need to reach out to those countries where those people who are attacking them live because their laws are much stronger. But it's also a lesson for us within to strengthen our laws so that we can stand up against online bullying. She says women in politics are more susceptible to online harassment than men. The world is unfair, and being a woman in politics... We face a lot of unfairness and injustices, but I think it also makes us so much more determined to stand up and to be heard. Meanwhile, Ms Tambuya is currently the subject of an inquiry by her political party following the sex scandal allegation, the outcome of which has yet to be released. A decision by King Tupo VI earlier this month to withdraw his confidence in the ministerial portfolios of Tonga's Prime Minister and Foreign Minister has raised questions about the efficiency of Tonga's political system and the extent of the monarchy's power. Prime Minister Huakava Meliko has responded by announcing his confidence in retaining the portfolios and talks are reportedly taking place between the two parties to resolve the dispute. Finau Funua spoke with Tonga's Attorney General, Aminiasi Kefu, to talk about Tonga's constitutional monarchy. In regards to the ministerial appointments, could you explain the process and how it works with the king, the Privy Council and the Prime Minister? Okay, um, for appointment of a minister, uh, the Prime Minister, uh, after the Prime Minister is elected in Parliament, uh, and he's appointed by the king, 
the Prime Minister will then uh, submit recommendations to the King as to who he, the Prime Minister, believes should be appointed as ministers. Um, so those uh, ministers can be uh, people from those who are elected in Parliament, and it can also be people who were not elected into Parliament, um, and these are non-elected uh, persons, which the uh, Prime Minister can also recommend uh, to be appointed uh, as a minister. Uh, the Prime Minister is only limited to appointing four people from outside of uh, those who were elected in Parliament. And the King will then uh, appoint uh, those people by issuing um, their appointment letters uh, to those uh, people. The convention is that the number of uh, people in cabinet is uh, 12, including the Prime Minister. Uh, the Privy Council is not involved in the appointments of uh, of the uh, ministers. The Privy Council, in, in the Tongan context, are just an advisory body to His Majesty uh, regarding uh, His Majesty's uh, constitutional and legal powers. Uh, so they update the Privy Council themselves, the Privy Councillors, do not uh, make a decision, they just advise. It is the king sitting with Privy Council that makes the decision. So ultimately, any decision that comes from the king in council is a decision made by the king himself. And um, from what I'm aware, the whole democratic reform was meant to, was, was meant for the constitutional monarchy to emulate the Westminster system in the UK? Not really, no. There's some aspects of it that it's uh, common, um, but it was still a Tongan constitutional monarchy. Could you explain the differences? So, like, the differences in in the UK Westminster system, the king is not involved in executive decisions and political decisions. Um, The king is consulted, he's uh, informed, and that's done through the uh, royal audience uh, between the prime minister and the king. Although the king has no decision-making, except, of course, he's to not assent to to legislation that's passed by parliament in the UK. Here in Tonga, um, there are certain aspects of the executive government the king is involved in. So the king still retains uh, authority in relation to appointment of some executive uh, posts, such as the Attorney General, the Police Commissioner. Mm. Uh, the king uh, also, as I matters with regards to the head of the defense, uh, the king also gives royal assent and vetoes legislation. Uh, the king uh, determines. Uh, whether the government should sign an in, uh, international treaty or international instrument. The king also can also appoint uh, who represents the king uh, to foreign countries. Uh, the king still, uh, in respect of uh, land matters, uh, can still be involved in uh, making decisions about leases uh, and, and other matters that involves the royal estate and, and the king. So, in a nutshell, the king's role uh, in comparison to the to that in the UK, in Tonga, it is a partnership between His Majesty the King and also the Prime Minister in running some aspects of government. Did the King have the right to withdraw his confidence in the portfolios 
Is this a constitutional crisis? Well, I don't think it's a constitutional crisis because uh, it's not got to a point where it can't do anything about it. Um, that's how I would describe the crisis where there's a stalemate and there's no way forward. Here, the king does uh, have a right. There's nothing stopping him under the constitution to express his views. So effectively, my interpretation of the communication from the king in Privy Council, it was an expression of his views, but technically it doesn't remove those ministerial portfolios from uh, those two ministers. Uh, because it has to be, it has to be recommended by the prime minister, and then the king will then uh, approve those uh, replications of of those ministerial appointments. So there was nothing in the constitutional law stopping His Majesty expressing his views about his confidence in re- in relation to and his consent in relation to to those two portfolios. But that does not mean that the appointments are. Uh, revoked because that's not the correct process of going through that uh, revocation process. And I'm sure His Majesty is aware of that process. He just wanted to communicate this to the Prime Minister. So it starts a matter for the Prime Minister to decide what to do with the communication, um, whether to accept it or whether to um, ask for another audience to discuss uh, that communication or to take a stance that uh, he will not accept the um, that communication. Why uh, we we've seen in the past as well that the king has like with the dissolution of parliament. Why are there clashes taking place between the king and government? We're seeing all these disagreements arising. Um, what's the cause of all of this? I am not privy to the reasons uh, why His Majesty and also uh, Prime Minister um, had these. Uh, the issues between them. Obviously, it's now made public through this communication. Um, however, the, you must also, again, going back, you must understand that the king ha- uh, has a constitutional and legal right to be involved in government because how the constitutional reforms were made, and at the moment, there is a partnership between the king and the, and the cabinet and the prime minister. So they have to be on the same page to work. So obviously with this communication, they're not on the same page. It was a busy weekend of Pacifica Siponti. The 2024 Super Rugby Pacific Series kicked off on Friday, while Fiji and Samoa competed at the Vancouver Sevens in Canada. RNZ Pacific senior sports journalist Eliesa Tora is here with the latest from across the region's sporting events. So the Super Rugby Pacific kicked off on Friday. Both the Fiji Indrua and Moana Pacifica played their first matches. How did they go? Well, both uh, Moana Pacifica and the Fiji Indrua finished with uh, uh, losses on uh, Saturday. Moana Pacifica uh, played a better game against uh, the Highlanders in Dunedin, winning 35-21. Uh, but the Fiji Indrua went down uh, to the Blues in uh, Hungary, losing 34-10 in their opening matches. A lot of learnings, disappointing at the end that they lost, but uh, certainly going into the second run uh, this coming weekend where they will be uh, playing off against each other. It will be interesting to see uh, how they go uh, in that. But um, opening losses for them in their opening round of matches in the 2024 Super Rugby competition. And across the Pacific, there were some interesting competitions in different sports. What are some of the highlights from the islands? 
Well, certainly uh, there were a lot of um, um, sports action in the Pacific, in Fiji. Uh, the Fiji Football Association National Soccer League uh, went into the second round. Suva um, holding Rewa 2-all in an interesting game. Naitasiri, Televo Naitasiri uh, also holding Giants Bar in a one-all draw as well. But the highest scores uh, in that competition saw Nandi winning um, 4-2 over uh, Nasino. In, uh, in rugby also, with the Fiji Rugby Union competition kicking off also in their first ever um, uh, round of matches for 2024, uh, there were some exciting games for, for Fiji rugby fans. In, in the um, uh, senior competition, Televo beat Namosi 18-17 in, in one of uh, the future matches. The other results saw uh, Nandonga beating Madhuata 36-14. Naitasiri over Yasawa 50-0 and uh, Nandi defeating Lautoka 28-22. Also interesting to see that they've had uh, women's competition kicking off as well uh, and there were some very interesting uh, matches. Nasinu uh, proved uh, uh, an upset win over Nandronga 43-19 and one of the highest scores in in that competition saw Suva scoring 65 points against Navosa. Uh, in Vanuatu, uh, they had uh, Paralympics competition uh, where they uh, also held trials to select teams for the uh, Vanuatu Paralympics. And there were 15 new athletes who were selected uh, over the weekend uh, in Vanuatu. In Papua New Guinea, uh, they had uh, uh, the Papua New Guinea Baramundis uh, touring India and uh, they were able to win their first tour game by uh, 113 runs win over local club side Cap Calls. Samoa sent a triathlon team to, to Napier for the Tri-New Zealand uh, Spring Distance uh, Age Group Championships uh, on Sunday, and uh, three of their athletes uh, finished um, uh, at the podium, uh, winning um, silver and bronze uh, uh, at, at, at the event. And um, they were also able to, um, to, to record some national records for them. Uh, in weightlifting, uh, one of the biggest news that came out of weightlifting was uh, Ramsey Edwards from New Way winning gold medal to become the Oceania uh, Juniors champion in the 87 plus uh, kilogram. Jam-packed weekend for sure. Now Fiji and Samoa competed at the Vancouver Sevens. What were, what were the results? Well, disappointing again uh, for Fiji and Samoa uh, in the men's and the women's competition. The um, Fijian men eventually uh, lost in the fifth spot uh, playoff, losing uh, 29-14 to to Ireland. Um, And uh, Samoa also uh, going down uh, in in the um, uh, playoff game where they they lost to to Great Britain. Also, they had uh, taken Argentina uh, to the wires in their quarterfinals. Uh, losing 14-12. Both Samoa and uh, and Fiji lost out in the quarterfinal matches, uh, and the Fijiana uh, women's team also lost out to Australia in the quarterfinal, uh, losing 35-19, and then losing again to USA uh, in the fifth-place playoff, uh, 29-7. So disappointing, disappointing for uh, Fiji and Samoa, both the men's team and the Fijiana women's team at the uh, Vancouver 7. Hopefully, 
they can improve in Las Vegas this coming weekend. RNZ Pacific Senior Sports Journalist Elias Satora, thank you for your time, Vinaka. Vinaka Bakalevo. That's Pacific Waves for today. To listen back, head over to rnzi.com slash programs. We're also on Spotify, Apple and iHeartRadio. From myself and the RNZ Pacific team, tofa soi fuwa.